another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. I've been preparing this for some time now and, and knowing that it was Anzac Day, I kind of felt, you know, that you could go multiple ways with this and really channel into the reality of living a sacrificial life. And I believe that's the heart of who we are and not a... You know, and but I really felt this scripture from Matthew five disturb me, and it has been all week. I can't let it go. And again, as I took more time to be able to jump into it, just this whole dynamic that you are the light of the world. Five people believe it, but it's, it's a different atmosphere to the Anzac moment. But I think if they would want us to say anything, they would say, "Don't sit somber and hold back, but realize that you are the light of the world." We didn't do this so you could play safe. We didn't do this so you could hide in the comfort of what's easy. But we want you to live your lives to the full. And then you match that and tie that into the reality of God and His purpose and His significance over our lives. And you read it from God's perspective into your life. And you couple that with what's gone before us to enable us to have the freedom that we have. You can hear it being charged today. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. So I'm going to put it up. But Matthew 5, 14 to 16, it says this, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and they put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I love that. And I wanted today to take a few people in my life who are role models or people who have played a part and maybe they never knew that one day they would play a part, but they have played a part. And I love last week's message, hearing about, you know, Nadi just brought such a, a powerful word. And, uh, and I encourage you, you've got to get onto online to watch that and, and capture it again. But we hear stories of her dad, who's a hero in our lives. Mark is phenomenal, uh, an amazing man. But when we started dating and getting together, we actually realised and heard the story of her mum and how she come to know Christ. And in fact, she's from a non-believing family. But when she was a little girl, for whatever reason, whether it was her grandma or something like that, a couple of them were, had the opportunity to go to a Sunday school on Sunday. And it was because of the Sunday school teacher that uh, she heard about the love of God. As a little girl, then her family did not continue in Sunday school or anything like that. But for her, something was deposited in her life as a little girl in Sunday school that became aware of the presence of God, aware of the goodness of God. And she was a God-following woman. Then she grew up a little bit older, got to meet Mark. They got married. Mark obviously had a radical encounter as a teenager. They got married, go further on. And, uh, and they've had Nadia. And hello, everything else is history. It's fantastic. It's really cool. But what happened was this, we found out and, and talking to them, found out that her Sunday school teacher actually passed away not long after that she was in Sunday school. And she said, I actually have a photo of him. And there's a photo of her Sunday school teacher. And she goes, this man was the man who led me to God to know his love that I could now live the life I live, who then goes on to have offspring or have Nadia, who then goes on to build his kingdom. And you look at the fruit of what God has done because one man decided to leave Sunday school 
All those years ago, in a little town, He decided to shine His light so that others could see the same light and receive that light and look at the generations that have changed because someone decided to be an influence. What can I do? I could serve in Sunday school. What could I do? I mean, I could help, I could connect, I could love, I could serve. What could I do? See, the thing is today, the tension I've found is that there's now a title for influencers. You are an influencer because you have a certain number of followings or you have a certain level of popularity. So therefore you become an influencer. But I'd like to take this Scripture and say to you that it's not about how many people know you and how many people follow you and how many people, how popular you are or at what point someone goes, you know what, I'm actually going to give you my product and pay you to use my product and take a photo of my product because you're an influencer. No, this is saying you are the light of the world. What it's saying is you're an influencer. Come on, if you're a teenager here today or a young girl, we've got in our audience today, they're an influencer. If you're here and you're a mum, what a significant influence you are. If you're a single person here, you're an influencer. The way you would acknowledge your life and the way you make the most of the season that you're in, you're an influencer. The fact that you're not dependent on another person in your life to make you, you, but you can understand that God's got you where you are and you can shine bright in that and you can have self-worth in that, not because you've got a partner or a relationship, because you are God's child. And that's counterculture and that shines bright. We champion you in that. You're an influencer. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Oh, but I don't, I'm not even on social media. You don't need to be in In fact, all of us needs to get off social media. You are the light of the world. Hear it. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Business leader, you are the light of the world. But I'm not really where I want to be yet. No, you're still the light of the world. Now, the funny thing is, is that this message is kind of generally counterculture to what I sort of talk about because for me, I'm like, it's not about us. It's not about us. It's not about us. And it's exactly right. The fact that we are the light of the world is not about us, but it's about the fact that we have been called to reflect who it is about. And if we don't own the light that we've been given and reflect that same light back out again, then we are not going, it's not about me. It's not about me. In fact, we're denying the wonder of who, the one that we are living for. Does that make sense? So the tension we have is that we say, well, I'm not an influencer. You've got to own who you are. You are the light of the world. Don't just say, oh, I'm just a tradie or I'm just a, you know, a worker. Or, I'm, just, I'm just retired. No, no, no. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. I know it sounds simple today, but sometimes we don't need complex revelations. We just need to get a hold of the truth and start reflecting who God has called us to reflect and be who He's called us to be. But the thing of it is, is that today what we've done across culture and society is that we've tried to identify ourselves or identify others by so many differing factors. Maybe it's an age thing. Maybe it's a culture thing. Maybe it's, a, you know, the, the letters before your name. Maybe it's the a sexuality thing, maybe it's a colour of skin thing. And, and the world's trying to try and differentiate people by all these separating things. And they separate, 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 separate. But you know what? God actually puts it all down into two things. He actually defines everybody into two categories. Either you are living in light or you're living in darkness. He doesn't talk about this, whether male or female or whether you grew here or you grew up there or your culture there, your culture there. He basically ties it all down and He says, actually, it's about are we in the light? Or we are we in the darkness? And this, re- this thing of us is to say, actually, we need to get to the reality that 
We've got to not see the world by all the differences of all the other things that people are rich or poor or whatever it might be, or you're a doctor and, and you're a lawyer. Stop. Are we in light or are we in darkness? Everything else is actually second to those two key principles, those two key factors. Does that make sense? And it might sound judgmental, but God's not trying to be judgmental. Jesus, when He spoke this, He's not trying to be judgmental. He's trying to let you know that actually you are the light of the world and there is, the world is in darkness, but where you are, light penetrates darkness. I love this truth that is in, uh, sorry, that is in John 1.5 and it talks about this, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness has not overcome it. The darkness has not overcome it. I'm gonna say it again, the darkness has not overcome it. If we were to turn all these lights out and I was to turn one light on, doesn't matter how dark it is, the darkness cannot overcome the light. It cannot overcome it. And we've got to live with a fresh revelation and a fresh conviction and a fresh understanding that, man, when you look at the world and you try and put it into all the different categories, why don't we just stop and say, are they in light or are they in darkness? And if they're in darkness, they need the light. <laughs> and they need the hope that comes with that light. And they need the grace that's met by that light. And they need the love that changes that light. And they need the reality of God. So I want to jump into four quick things about living as light. Living as light. I've kind of already said it, but number one is you've got to own your I am. You've got to own your I am. It was awesome in the prayer meeting this morning. Uh, Reverend Paul Furler shared in prayer meeting, but he pretty much said this point is the, the Bible says that we are kings and queens, that we are royalty. But if you don't own your royalty, right, you're just going to live your life as a commoner. But we're not called to live lives as commoners. We're called to live lives as, as in the priesthood of who we are, not because of who we are, but because of what Christ has done and transformed us into, Right. But we've got to own our I am. So we understand that in Genesis 1.27, it says that God made, sorry, God created mankind in His own image and in the image of God, He created them, male and female, He created them. We are made in the image of God. God is not made in our image, we are made in His image. And it goes on and then in, Moses has this moment in Exodus where he's wondering how things are gonna take place. And basically God says, I am. I am that I am, like I am the one that makes a way. I am the one that brings a breakthrough. I am the one that heals. I am the one that saves. I am the one that supplies what you need. I am. Isn't it amazing that when someone asks you who you are, you often will say, I am Craig. Most of the world, if they were asked, who are you? They say, I am Craig. I am Craig Clark. And isn't it amazing that in the statement, I am Craig Clark, I am already putting before my identity is the identity of the one who created me. Isn't that amazing? So even though the world would deny maybe God even exists, the truth of it is, is when they state who they are, they're already projecting the image of who He is, which is pretty awesome. And so if we would understand and we would grab hold of this truth that we've got to own our I am. I am a light. You've got to own that. You've got to own it. Own the fact that you are a light. Own the fact that you are made in His image. Own the fact that you reflect His glory. Own the fact that you are a representative. I love that. Love what the Bible says. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. 
Come on, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. What an awesome transformation that takes place. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I am a reflection of Him. And then 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And basically what we're saying, in the light that you see reflecting from me, come and get some of it. Receive it for yourselves. Discover it for yourselves. Let it transform you and let it permeate others that we would not live in a world of darkness, but that we would be able to see a world transformed by light for a city on a hill cannot be hidden. See, I love that when we all grab hold of the truth that we are a light. When we grab hold of the truth that we are a, a light, that we shine, that we've got a purpose to shine in our family, in our neighbourhood, in our communities. We've got a purpose to shine. I'm a light, right? I am a light. And I'm not a light because of the goodness of Craig. I'm a light because of the goodness of God. I'm not a light because of the image of Craig. I'm a light because of the image of God. I am a light to bring change and transformation. I know I'm repeating myself, but the truth of it is, is we can so often deny who we are deny the impact we can have, deny the change that we can bring, deny the, the way that we can see situations and cultures change and transform because we don't own who we are. I'm a light. That's who I am. I'm a light. And I shine and I might just shine to my only my family or I might just have a, the availability to shine to others through the platform that I'm given, but I'm a light and I got, I'm called to shine. I'm called to shine. You and I are called to shine. If we would allow ourselves to overcome the insecurities, we would be able to influence far more than we could ever imagine. I love Pastor Paul, one of my heroes. He says, you know what? Second to sin, he said, insecurity will be the second to sin. It will be the most significant thing to stop you from being who God's called you to be. And this quote by Marion Williamson is one that I've loved. When I heard it, it just rung true for me personally. But if you've watched Coach Carter, there's a great quote from that movie, but it says, our deepest fear is not that we're inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous, all the things God says you are? Oh, no, I'm not that. Oh, I'm not that. The moment you go, oh, I couldn't do that. Oh, I'm not that. Oh, I couldn't. You're denying that you're a light. Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking that so other people won't feel insignificant around you or insecure around you. Hmm, I love that. Carry on. Next slide. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest. We were born to make manifest. We were born to make manifest the glory of God. That is where? Out there? In that Christian? Or just in church? Or just in the pastor? No, no. Within all of us. And it's not in some of us. It's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give permission for others to do the same. And as we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Don't you love that? For me, that, I think that honestly is true. My deepest fear is, is not that I'm inadequate. 
My deepest fear is what if I actually did step into the fullness of God? And I was so far out of my depth, so far out of this place of comfort, so far out of my control, so far out of this place, but in the fullness of Him, like, man, what would that be just out? Of, oh my goodness. It's just so big. It's so wild. It's so expansive. It's so exciting that actually the enormity of the great plan that God has for you. Come on, no mind is conceived, no heart even knows the plan that God has for you. That freaks me out. Does it not freak you out? Oh, maybe I'll just stay in the boat then. Maybe I'll just stay with a whole bunch of other great Christians and we'll just stay in the boat and let Jesus be Jesus and we'll just be the disciples. He's saying, no, you're actually called to be me now to the world. Go out, do it. You're a light. Is this making sense? I feel like I'm yelling at you. I please hope that it doesn't come across that way. I'm stirred for this. but So number one, I've got to own your I am. I've got to own who I am. I am a light. I am a light. Number two, we're going to secure our source. We've got to secure our source. So we can know that we're a light, but if we're not secured to the source, then we're not going to shine very much, are we? I'm a light. But unless you're connected to the right source, you're not shining light in the darkness. You're just shining darkness. Does that make sense? A little bit confronting. When I thought about it, as I said, I was like, oh, that sounds harsh. But if we're not shining Him, then we're, not shining, we're only shining the world. So until I'm connected to the source, then I'm not going to actually shine what God's called me to shine. I love that. And that doesn't make you uber weird and it doesn't make you unrelatable or anything like that. It just makes you have something that the world desperately wants. You turn a light on in the darkness and everything starts flocking towards the light. Is that right? And it's the same. We think, oh, if I shine a light, then everybody's going to be like, oh, oh." no, no, no. They're drawn to the light because they know it's actually not you. It's what's in you and what's in you is not you. It's God. And that's unbelievable. It's amazing. I love that people are hungry and longing for hope and unconditional love and they're longing for truth and acceptance and purpose and they're longing to give their lives to something for freedom and healing. And the good news is, is Jesus is our source. Come on, you want hope? Jesus is hope. You want unconditional love? Jesus is unconditional love. You want the truth? Then Jesus is the truth. You want acceptance? Jesus is under acceptance. You want purpose? Jesus will give you purpose. It's not in positivity. It's not in policy. Come on, it's not in the security and safety and not getting sick. That's not going to find hope and life and acceptance. No, Jesus brings hope, life and acceptance. And when you're connected to the source, it doesn't matter what you go through, you can still shine. See, one of the heroes in my life, and I've talked about her a number of times, is my grandma. And I got a photo of my grandma with her three husbands. It does sound funny, especially when you say to your friends, what are you doing this weekend? I'm going to my grandma's wedding. And uh, for the second time, but that was her third marriage. Uh, this is my grandma with Granddad Tom. This is my grandma with Granddad Hugh. And this is my grandma with Granddad Ian. Granddad Ian and Granddad Hugh both served in the war. But Granddad Tom died when, uh, just after my grandma gave birth to her fourth child, my auntie. Granddad Hugh died of cancer and Granddad Ian died of cancer. My grandma was widowed three times. And you know, whenever I saw my grandma, you know what she'd say to me? Craig, I got a photo of me and grandma. She said, Craig, I want you to know, and don't you ever question this, God is good. God is so good. How does a mother of four who's just lost her first husband has no income because granddad Tom was the income winner. 
How do, you, how do you go about saying God is still good? Because food would arrive on their door as she would just get up in the morning and pray for her family and pray for the provision and food would arrive. Money would arrive in the mail. Uncles and would come round and look after my dad and his brothers and, and become father figures to them. And he, she'd just say, God is good. God is so good. And I had the privilege of leading my grandma's funeral just a couple of years ago. And there was a triumphant moment, not a lady of defeat, not a lady who was victimised, not a lady who was depressed, but a lady who lived a full life, who shone her light because she was connected to a source that was far greater than disappointment, far greater than failure, far greater than heartache. She was connected to love and hope and joy and peace that saw her through every valley that she could still rise on the mountaintop. See, we are connected to a source that makes a way where there is no way. We are connected to a source, come on, that when everything around you says it can't be done, God says it can be done. And I love the truth that in this room, we are recently celebrating the fact that even after eight years and the doctors saying, with all the medical procedures you've done, with the back-to-back IVFs you've had, and with all the other procedures you've gone through, that is gonna be a miracle if you fall pregnant, even with all the assistance. Only two in the last few months not get assistance, but naturally fall pregnant, which was beyond impossible that today we can celebrate that Colin and Alana are having a baby because God's their source. He's their supply. When the doctors say no, the Holy Spirit says go. Come on, when when you're down and out, and it hasn't worked again, and it hasn't worked again. Negative report after negative report after negative report. I've seen these two stand and say, I know the character of my God, and I know what He has put in my heart is not so that we would fall down and feel ridiculed and feel shamed, but because there's a promise that we carry because He's our source. I love talking to Alana yesterday. She said, even October last year, Black Friday, Saturday, she felt like God say, buy a pram. Buy a pram. When doctors are saying it's not ever going to happen, God is saying buy a pram. And then to naturally fall pregnant is unbelievable. We honour you guys. We just thank God for you and this little life that is coming. <laughs> secure your source. You've got to secure your source. On your bad day, secure your source. Come on, on the mountaintop, secure your source. Don't get so lofty. Don't get so high above that when everything's going well, all of a sudden we entertain other avenues and other supplies. Secure your source. Secure your source. Does it make sense? Number three, align your internals. Align the internals. Recently, after about four years of building our house, I needed to put the outside entry lights onto the, um, you know, onto the brick or uh, pillars on the front of our house. And it was the provision of the wiring that was there But if you don't get the wiring right, it doesn't matter how much you are the light and how much you have a source of power to that light. If the internals aren't aligned, you're not going to shine. You're not going to shine. And I just knew that I could do it on my own. I didn't need anyone's help. Uh, And I knew that, you know, there was the the red or the brown, uh, which is the positive, and there's the the other colours that do other things. And... um, and this moment I'm wiring it up and then there was another case that didn't kind of look right and I didn't really understand it, but I had about four or five different goes. But if... What was funny is about then that light started working, but the other light stopped working and everything started to be cross-wired and not working. Can I just encourage us that unless we align the internals, we're not going to shine. You might shine a little bit, but then another season happens or another change happens and all of a sudden we don't shine anymore and everything's... We've got the world that's telling you the positive is negative and the negative is positive. 
And what, what 1 John, uh, sorry, John 1 says, and this is how we align our internals, is we go straight to the Word of God and we live from the Word of God and we live out of the Word of God and we live our lives aligned to the Word of God and we let this be our truth and we let this be our guide and we, I'm trying to speak while I try and find the page, we let it be the thing that sets us apart. We let it to be the thing that aligns us. In the beginning was the Word of God and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made possible. Without Him, nothing was made possible, which means today and forevermore. Through Him, it will be made possible. Without Him, it won't be made possible. In the, Him was life and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Or it says in another version, the light in the darkness cannot overcome it. Come on, we've got to come back to the truth that if we want to be light, we've got to live lives of obedience. We've got to live lives of faith. We've got to live lives of honesty. We've got to live lives of integrity. We've got to be kind. Just putting it out there. We've got to be kind. We've got to be compassionate. We've got to be full of grace. We've got to be full of true authenticity. And we've got to be ready to forgive people even when they won't forgive you. We've got to be ready to serve and not be served. We've got to understand the truth that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. We've got to understand that we've got to actually bless those who curse us. We live this life. And one of these men who live this life is, and the truth of the fact that it's actually no greater privilege than to lay your life down for your brother or for a friend. My granddad is one of my heroes who I never met, my first granddad, with my grandma. She, he was someone I, I looked up to remarkably because he actually gave his life, he lost his life. The reason he died so young is because he, at a church picnic at a beach, two girls got into trouble, not from their church. And there were trouble in the water because of a rip and he went out and he swam out and he swam with them and he held them and waited for safety to come and get them, a boat to come and get them. And as the boat came, he passed them up. But at the same time, he went down. And without any energy and completely exhausted, they, the murky waters, they couldn't find him. And, and sadly, he drowned. He gave his life so that others could live. He's my hero. But what I didn't know, and I found out at my grandma's funeral, is that actually, just before that moment, he sold a business to a man and that man, also died and left his wife as a widow. And he, he um, knowing her situation, that she could not maintain the business or run the business or pay back the debt, he cancelled her debt and said, you don't owe anything on the business. The business is yours. You can have that. That'll be your livelihood to enable your family to continue on. He cancelled her debt because he said, you should not have, you're a widow. We need to look after you. My granddad, Tom, is my hero. If you want to see a picture of my granddad, That's my granddad. My granddad wasn't just a businessman. He wasn't just a man who saved lives. He was a Sunday school teacher. A Sunday school teacher, he'd, he didn't know that the girl that he would tell about Jesus and the love of God would one day grow up to marry a man, to have a daughter, who when his grandson would go to university not knowing Jesus, that granddaughter would lead his grandson back to Christ. It's a crazy story, right? You've got to trust me. When I had that moment when we started realising how close our families were in a small village, how panicked we were that we were related. I've got to tell you, <laughs> it's very true. It was a very real fear. My granddad lived that life because he lived with aligned internals. 
What aligned his life, the perspective he had and the way he lived his life is because he lived under the Word of God. Not under convenience, not under what was good for him. He lived that others would matter first. He shone his light. He gave his life. He shone his light. I think sometimes what we want to do is we want to live like dimmable LEDs. What do you mean by that? Doesn't cost us much. Don't you love LEDs? Replace if you've got to put them in. They don't cost hardly anything. But we want to live Christianity life like that where it doesn't cost us much. Where you can dim it depending on the mood in the room. Oh, hang on. This atmosphere at work's pretty hostile. I'll just dim my light. I'll just dim it in this environment. I'm thankful for a grandfather who didn't dim his light. I'm thankful for men and women in my life. I'm thankful for the fact that we have a church that has a culture that says, you know what? We're not here to lord it over anyone, but we are here to shine the God of everything to everyone. You've got to align the internals. And number four, you've got to shine. You've got to shine. The truth is, is we all have the ability to say or not say, to offer hope, not offer hope, to be gracious, not be gracious. To be generous, not be generous. To be forgiving, don't be forgiving. To offer mercy, to hold a grudge. But the Bible says, so let your light shine. So let it shine before man. What is that saying? Don't let it shine on a Sunday for an hour and a half. This isn't the place where you're supposed to shine. This is the space where you're supposed to again refresh in the fact that you are a light. Secure your source even more. Get your internals corrected and keep matching our lives to the Word of God. But when the service finishes, it's not the moment we go out and turn the light off. That's the moment if the light wasn't on, we flick that switch again with courage, with passion, with purpose. And we go, you know what, I'm gonna shine. And the Bible says, actually put it on a lamp. So everybody in the house has ability to see. And I love that and I believe that for us, we're called to be a church that as we grow and as we expand, we're gonna be that light a city on a hill that as you shine in your neighbourhood and I shine in mine and you shine in your workplace and I shine in mine and who knows, my workplace needs it. Obviously I work in church. But when you shine in your community and you shine in your high school and you shine in your workplace and you shine to your kids and you shine to your family, that there's gonna be like a city that people aren't gonna be able to go, oh, I can't really, where is that? But there is gonna be a light of hope, a beacon of life, a place where people can come and not just see what others have, but the Bible says they will see your good deeds and they'll glorify your Father in heaven. The light is not here to make me look good. This light is not to make me and radiate me and make me more illuminated. This is about pointing people to Jesus, taking people heavenward. And you might say, well, I don't think I have much. Real quickly, last person I wanna share a story about. And this person, to be honest, impacted my life greatly. This man I only met and had known for 30 minutes, but I'm trying to track him down and find him again. But I met this man about five, four weeks ago, sorry, in Melbourne City on Collins Street. And I met this man by walking past him as I was with a friend. And then on the way back, I saw this man and I, I felt like God say, offer him a coffee, make sure he's got food. And I saw a photo of my man, Steve. And Steve, was homeless. 
And I met Steve and I said, you want a coffee? And he says, I've had one, but I love another one. I said, absolutely. I said, you got food for the day? And he goes, yeah, I've actually got heaps. And I ran off and I found a good coffee, went to one of the best places I could find. He probably thought it wasn't coming back, but I want to make sure that it wasn't just about getting a McDonald's one or something like that, but getting one that says, you know what? I walked a long way to make sure you got the best. Got him some lunch and some extra food. So we had extra more. And then I sat with him and I sat and I talked with him for about half an hour. And I didn't tell him I was a Christian, but I decided to hear his story. How was COVID? How was it for you? How was it living on the street? And you know, he goes, said, he goes, living on the street might not be the most desirable thing, but I want to tell you it's what's changed my life. I said, tell me about that. Why has it changed your life? Because it was on the street that I met Jesus. He goes, if I never became homeless, and he told me how he became homeless and it was some pretty challenging events, but he said, if I never became homeless, I would never have known the love of God. And he goes, I know this isn't my final resting place and I know I'm gonna get back up on my feet, but the truth of it is, is there's a few things that still need to happen. And the fact is, as I'm loving what God is doing in my life while I sit here. He says, you don't know how many people walk past me only to turn around to walk back and say, what is it about you? I feel like I should talk to you. At which point he starts speaking hope into their life. And as he's learning Scripture, he just starts telling them the Scripture that he's just learned. And when he watches parking meter people go and find a car, he gets up and with the coins that he's been given, he goes and puts more money in the meter and says, don't you put a fine on their car, I've got them covered. He tells people about how Jesus supplies all His needs and the other homeless people when they say, but we've got nothing to eat. He goes, watch, God will provide. And they take, he said, talk to me, he took another step and he turned to the right to look and there was a $20 bill sitting in the bush. And he goes, here you go, we got breakfast today. He talked to me about how he saw a woman and knowing he said, I know what I look like, but I felt like God said, give her a hug. And he said to God, but God, I'm a homeless man. I know that this is unattractive and it's not appropriate to connect with people like that. And he said, I want you to give her a hug. He goes up to this Asian girl and he says to you, I'm sorry if this seems offensive, but I feel like God said to give you a hug. She goes, I was just thinking all I want right now is a hug. My family's overseas and I've just been given the diagnosis of cancer. I got no one to turn to and here you are. And He embraced her appropriately and they hugged and God prayed for her in that moment. Fast forward 12 months because He never saw her. He bumped into her on the street for her to tell her she's cancer free. He gets, I'm telling you, <laughs> this guy made me feel like a non-believer. <laughs> I got his number and I text him and I still text him and I'm, I'm gonna try and see him tomorrow morning again. I'm gonna go and drive and just see if I can find Steve. But I don't know what our excuse can be about what we don't have, but this is the words that he said. He said, what I find is that when I look at what I don't have at the moments I realise God can do the most. It's when I have nothing that God does everything. And he goes, I haven't got it all together yet, but I just got water baptised a couple of months ago and. I just know that there's a reason for where I am in the season that I am. Do you know that there's a reason for the season that you're in? Do you know that where you are, you're called to shine? You are the light of the world. Don't put a bucket or a basket. Don't put an excuse. Don't put a, I haven't got. Oh, I'm not enough. Or I'm only just learning this whole Christian thing. Tell me. Keep your childlike faith, keep your childlike innocence of faith and just share it unapologetically. Let it out. Tell people about how excited you are. You don't have to get the words right. What is in you is what shines through you and that was what changes people's lives. See, if we were to put up a light 
of the olden times and the biblical times, the lights weren't a light that was connected to a power source like this. The source of the light was oil. And as long as there was oil in the lamp, there'd be a flame. I love that we sung that song at the start, fresh wind, fresh presence. I haven't got time for us to have worship or anything like that. We've got to close, but the truth is I want to encourage you. We need fresh presence. If we're going to live lives like Steve, we need fresh presence. We need fresh oil. Don't let your oil get dry. And that's what church is for. Be in church all the time. I know that people are online from overseas all the time. Why? Because it's God's presence meets you. But if you can get into a venue, if you can get out and come to a service, come because the presence of corporate worship and the presence of corporate prayer enables something powerful, but it's not limited to a service. Come on, the anointing wants to flow in your quiet time. The anointing wants to flow in your Word. The anointing wants to flow as you pray in your car. The anointing wants to flow as you worship on your way to work. The anointing isn't for someone older. The anointing teenager is for you. Let's keep our oil fresh. Let's keep His presence real and let Him change us continually from the inside out that we may shine. Can I pray for you? You received it this morning. I pray you've been encouraged. But God, today we just pray right now. Come on, if you need fresh oil, just raise your hands. At home as well, I want you to do something practical. Raise your hands. Come on, all over this place. If you want fresh oil, raise your hands. I'm not going to be rude, but I am going to say that should be 100% of the room. I want fresh oil. And I've been hanging out in the well for the last few days. I've been at a conference full of the well. I want fresh oil. I don't want to live off yesterday's oil. I want fresh oil. He's got fresh oil. Fresh oil. God, I command right now, fresh oil. Fresh anointing. Fresh presence. With His white weariness. With His heaviness. With His confusion. With His worry. God, where there's just a sense of routine and mundane. Where there's a familiarity that's come. God, right now, breathe fresh oil. Fresh presence. Father, I thank You, Lord, that You've given us the gift of worship. And again, God, we just lift our eyes off our situation and we lift them heavenward. God, I pray, Lord, that like a river, like a waterfall, there would just be a cascading of Your presence into people's hearts. Literally, like it would be breathing, like a restriction that's coming off someone's lungs to breathe deep and to breathe afresh. I pray that would take place now in Jesus' mighty Name. God, I just declare, Lord, fresh oil. God, I declare, Lord, like a fresh fire inside people's hearts, like a kick in our spirit again something coming alive, something taking place. Father, I pray for people in this room right now and they've never known Your presence, never known Your anointing, never known grace that takes away the old and gives us a brand new life. God, I pray, God, that that right now You would meet them because You love them and they're Your son and they're Your daughter. Wherever they sit, arrest their heart with the truth that You are the light of life and You're the changer of hearts and the transformer of the old to the new. We thank You for Your presence. Right now, all over this place with eyes closed and hearts open, if you're here and you need to get your life right with Christ, you know there's sin in your life. You're separated from Him. Christ made a way that we would all know Him through His sacrifice, by Him laying down His life. He exchanged our darkness for His life. He exchanged a life of death for a life full of hope and purpose and freedom and forgiveness and truth comes out of relationship. It doesn't come out of obligation. It doesn't come out of attending a service. It comes out of opening your heart. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus for yourself, or maybe you once did, but you're away from Him, online as well, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. The good news of the Gospel is it's available to you. No one's excluded. You're just going to open your heart, receive Him as your Lord and Saviour. 
The Bible says that He gives you a brand new beginning. The old's wiped away and today is a fresh start for you. And not one in isolation, but one where you are never alone. You know, God is with you. I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to pray for anyone that's here today that needs to get their life right with the Christ. And we're gonna pray this prayer, the most significant prayer. And if that's you, know you know God's knocking on your heart. You need to respond. I want you to say it with all of your heart. God sees you, He hears you. And we're all gonna pray this together. Come on, let's pray. Say, Dear Jesus, today I open my heart to You and receive You as my Lord, as my Saviour. I receive Your light. I no longer live in darkness. I am free. I am a child of God. I have a purpose. I'm called to shine and to radiate the goodness and the grace and the love of God. With Your help, I'm going to live with You. I'm going to live for You. From this day forward, in Jesus' Name, Amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.org.